This is the NT Filmmakers Podcast, Episode 4. This is the NT Filmmakers Podcast where we talk to filmmakers and creatives from the Northern Territory of Australia about their projects, their experiences and their challenges. And now, here's your host, Steve Archer. Welcome everyone to the NT Filmmakers Podcast. In this episode, we'll hear part two of an extended interview from Nathaniel Kelly and Thomas Medina about the process they took to create their first feature film, We're Family Now. We'll also be looking at a very special screening coming up at the Deck Chair Cinema, and don't forget to stay tuned till the end of the episode for a terrific offer for NT filmmakers. So sit back and relax, I hope you enjoy the show. So joining us again this episode for part two of their discussion about their feature film, we've got Nathaniel Kelly uh, and Thomas Medina joining Hello. us again. <laughs> I was Hi guys, one. welcome Hello. along. Oh, oh yes, I, I see. Yeah, so uh, just to confuse you all, <laughs> Matt's trying to do the deep voice and <laughs> mess up the audience. Again, guys, we'll do the introductions so you, the people can work out who you are. Mm. Right, my name's Nathaniel Kelly, but you can call me Nat and I'll call myself. Net, but uh, I'm a filmmaker. Great. My name's Thomas Medina. <laughs> you can call me Tom, and I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last week's episode, if you haven't seen it yet, folks, go and look up that episode. Uh, but last week, the guys were talking about uh, how they had gone from making short films independently, where they were co-writing and they were directing uh, each other's work to a certain extent, and then they'd produced. A, uh, a feature film last year uh, and uh, Nat uh, slipped in a little quick segue about his uh, upcoming web series uh, so which you can check out as well uh, but today we're going to talk about some of the, lo- the logistics of actually getting that short film together and in particular um, we're going to have a look at uh, how they went about pulling their cast together. Absolutely. And, well, and crew. We, we should never ignore the crew. Oh, absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. But the crew is usually, um, I feel like we audition the crew a lot more than we audition the cast, hey? <laughs> In a way. And you mean audition kind of practically by that's making right. something with them? By making something with them. Usually what I do is if I'm working with someone for the first time, I'll make a short film with them. And whether that be a crew member or a cast member, usually it's a cast member. And uh, that's just a really good opportunity to learn their strengths mm. and learn how, you know, their work ethic is and how I can, you know, accommodate that. And uh, it's rare, though, in Darwin that we get to audition, quote unquote, anyone new because mm. there's, yeah, you can't audition. so few people really? come to us, uh, you know, actually wanting to help with something or well, actually more lately well yeah yeah but usually that's that good but um go, that, oh do you oh do you need another actor oh I'm a good actor yeah <laughs> and you're like oh okay sorry I'm bad. <laughs> is, it, is it is it is it a bit concerning when somebody says to you i'm a really good actor and that's their interest yeah should, should that be setting off alarm bells or, yeah. or would you sort of take that a little bit at face value well, that's how tom introduced himself to me wow <laughs> nah, no, how did that pan no i shouldn't ask <laughs> Uh, but I think 
the short film's a good idea. It's a good way of making everyone feel like there's an outcome involved in... Mm. But it is essentially an audition process. Um, we, we made a short film about Cyclone Tracy, and just before that, I had the main actor... Um, pair up just this, do this monologue with another actor oh, so I guess that's a duologue mm. but um, and the whole purpose of that was just to see how they worked on screen together and uh, and yeah just to, to get a bit of an opportunity to work with someone mm. um, so the short film idea in lieu of auditioning is something I've done quite a bit in the past mm. um, and our crew we always keep our crew very short uh, very small very compact well, yes. it's a bit of a skeleton bunch Um yeah, I mean, we don't use lighting much. Um, if we do, you just set it up. Um, yeah. Uh, it's always very DIY. Yeah. Yeah, not even just in a filmmaking so, sense, but in a, you know, in a living sort of sense, it is very DIY. Yeah, and so there's mostly just been no That's room for anymore. That's though, really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've used car headlights mm. and, like, put them in the shot to, like, give light, and everyone's like, oh... It looks really good, but I'm like, oh, we'd actually needed the light. <laughs> and uh, there are other times we've used in the feature film that we're family now. We uh, used phone lights for a campfire scene. Mm-hmm. Used phone lights to backlight the actors, and True. it's just such a subtle edge, but it adds a different color, a different tonality, mm. and uh, and no one questions it just because it looks so mm. like it just fits. And I think probably a big takeaway from that is the fact that you don't necessarily have to go out and buy several thousand dollars worth of lights just because you're doing films. No, and in fact, I'm quite against that. Are you, Tom? I mean... Oh, well, I don't have the money for it, so I guess I'm against it. I mean, Um, I'm I'm against it for for people just starting out and letting that stop them. Sure. Yeah, because that if if they did just buy all that stuff Mm. and they haven't, you know, already built up kind of a... A, um, uh, a regular kind of desire to make things yeah. then the, I think it just adds a lot of pressure and then they, yeah. they don't it's a bit like when you're learning to play the guitar or the piano you don't go and buy an upright or a grand piano mm. or you don't buy a nice maiden guitar or something you practice on whatever you got. Mm. You, sp- you spend a hundred bucks, or if you've got a cash converter nearby, you spend twenty five. Right. Twenty five dollar, you know, acoustic guitar. You practice and um, right, and yeah, and it's certainly easier to make things look yeah. good every day That's with right. the cheaper technology. You feel a bit of an accomplishment when you make something look good with minimal lighting or you know what you've got hanging mm. around and. Um, yeah, if filmmaking was easy, I wouldn't do it. No, <laughs> no. no. it has to challenge you. That's you right. Know? It's like it's like the adult equivalent of building Legos, and you've got one right. piece, and you're like, "Got to make this work, don't I?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a little like that, I suppose. And and we might actually circle back for uh, perhaps a part three, where we talk about finding that balance between the uh, the technical side of things and the creative side of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's an, another probably separate discussion. That yeah, yes, I think we'll do a part three on that. So we'll cut that one aside <laughs> for now. Nice. But um, your for uh, we're family now. Your feature film. How did you go about getting your actors for that? How did you uh, not not the audition process, but since you you. Uh, you're not actually offering payment for the actors. How did you entice them to come along? That's right. That's not even offering catering. Well, <laughs> that's the not even offering fuel payment for travel. Yeah, okay. Well, what are, what well, is this worth? <laughs> we've got um, every film we've made, uh, we've just been very, you know, upfront with uh, we're just a couple of 
kids trying to make a film and mm. you know do you want to help us out and sometimes we get no's and but most of the time we get yeses that's right mostly we expect no's i think yeah absolutely yeah. and sure we do get a few no's yeah and um uh, that's okay because when we do get a yes we know that that person's really interested in helping um, you know, I, I and they're not just that. doing it for the money. No, oh, we've There's got it. About that. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, you're always like, oh, you know, if, if I could give you something in return, I'd love to. Mm. But um, the realization that they're there because they want to help out with this art. That's lovely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh, for we're family now, that was no different. We got in. I got in contact with our lead actor. Phil O'Brien mm-hmm. through uh, a lady called Dixie. She's helped out. She uh, used to run the Festival of Films Festival mm-hmm. for a few years back when it used to operate in Darwin. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she's a great connection to have. She's sort of been someone who's popped up again and again every now, like just, you know, pops her head up every now and again. And we've gone, can you help me out with this? Or, <laughs> yeah. And uh, she had his contact info. So I got in contact with him and his. Um, answer was very blunt and very positive it was just yeah no worries and so we had a chat on the phone <laughs> and i sold him the idea and oh so he said yes before you even pitched him the idea well actually i think we had a phone call oh, yes. in which i explained what the process or what the film was about mm-hmm. and and who i was and uh, we actually knew each other back when i did work experience with um uh, global headquarters for the V8 supercars like a few ah, years back yep. he used to be a presenter ah. and I, I was just this work experience kid doing like the camera work next to him and that so he was like oh yeah I remember you yeah alright yeah I'll help you out I'll help out um, some emerging talent so no script you didn't you hadn't shown him a script he didn't read the script yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right I yeah. had to send him a one pager which he briefed over mm. and um, he thought it looked good and I did send him the script but um, uh yeah, I think he was more interested in just have meeting us, having a chat. Yeah, I think a lot of actors are actually like that. They yeah, don't, don't. no <laughs> yeah. one wants to read an 80-page written. It's <laughs> but, um, but it's important you have that, you know, yeah. because yeah. if there are any questions, you need to be able to answer them. And uh, for the other yes. actors, we had Joseph, who's a friend of ours. He's acted in a few of our short films, mm-hmm. and my little sister. And mm-hmm. we had a few uh, turns from some some really good people so uh, we had amy hetherington show up for a day yep. and uh we had andrew king show up for another day yeah adam drake adam drake show up for another day we just had a few like people that are in the darn art scenes put up their hand and offer you know an afternoon nice. or a day mm. and so th- that's where i write in those small roles because mm. um some of the roles in my film they can be one role mm-hmm. but if you split them up it means you only need to spend an afternoon with someone yeah and then yeah, it sort of works. That so you're managing your logistics by tweaking your script mm. to match the people that you've got totally. coming that forward. Happens, yeah. Mm. yeah, that's right. And because you were writing the script, still writing it while you were like very close to shooting and preparing uh, the shoot times and everything, that's weren't you? Right. Well, so you've yeah. got that right in your head while you're writing it. Totally. I'd already yeah. written the script, but I was rewriting yeah. like, all of that mm. logistical mm. stuff up until the day we started filming. In fact, the the shooting script that we printed out uh, has scribbles and scribbles in it of me going, oh, no, we need to change that. Or, we need to fix that. <laughs> yeah, so it was changing for, um, for a lot of it. And uh, back to the logistics mm. thing with actors. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, it's about making it um, comfortable for the actors. What's the word I'm looking for? Comfortable. Convenient. Convenient. Mm. You know, you have to, you can't just say, 
you know, I'm not going to give you anything and I want 20 days of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if um, we usually end up working around other people's time and they, they usually let us know when they're free and available. Um, it's very rare that someone will cancel something else to be part of our film. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're giving us, you know, an afternoon on their weekend or after work one afternoon, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what we work with. And yeah. That's usually and so that's usually the main reason reason that we have many very short shoots where, where it always feels like a rush yeah. because we're we're just working on other people's just spare time and they've got like an hour between other things they've got on so yeah. we have to shoot this whole bit in one hour and, and the sun too we're racing and absolutely oh, yes. Yes. and the rain during that yeah. feature film so yeah that's been really good i think we've learned a lot about having to work together as like a fusion team mm. to just power through stuff we shoot stuff so fast sometimes yeah and uh, during a lot of short films so some of our earlier short films we thought we were working fast but then i guess our our films got more ambitious and we were realizing oh no we're gonna have to shoot this like twice as fast as the last thing we shot and getting scared but then realizing we could do it so we kept getting a bit better yeah yeah and i think um that's why our crews kept small too is because Another thing I experienced at, at film school was that there were, you know, you've got um, these these uh, calls before every take. You have camera check, sound mm-hmm. check, um, put the marker in front of the camera and they read out, you know, the scene, the take number and action and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that takes time. And I remember being on a set where we were shooting for a 12-hour day um, for a minute and something of screen time. <laughs> and I just remember thinking to myself, like... <laughs> you could shoot so much more this is an amazing location we're mm. taking so long if I had this location I'd shoot here for three hours so I wouldn't have to pay you know the hundred dollar an hour rate or whatever they were, they were charging and uh, and I would get everyone I, you know keep the stamina up because if, mm. if people are shooting for a 12 hour day the actors too get exhausted and uh, yeah and I think so what do you lose by shooting that fast I think it's only really like lighting in some cases yeah. maybe you maybe you don't have the perfect lighting setup and you do but compromise editing a little bit i suppose um oh sure you might not have um exactly all the coverage that you want and or, no not quite, in the edit i mean like you know the clapper and all that oh yep absolutely call sheets on our sets and no one's doing script supervisation on our sets and yeah. those are all jobs that are on on proper sets that make things easier in post-production yeah right. i think probably we should say big budget sets rather than than proper sets because I'm, I'm hesitant no matter how small or large the project is to say oh well it's only a short film because you know you if you you look at the the work that you know you guys have done and, and other filmmakers have done some of those short pieces and you know to search for short films on YouTube there's some pretty stunning stuff there that's been made for just a a few dollars yeah that is true i i I don't mean to denigrate what you're saying there nat but i'm I'm, i think i'm very keen on this you know just because we call have a big budget doesn't mean it's proper yeah Yeah. i was quite offended by that actually (laughs) i think you should watch your language i i I wasn't offended so much no wanting to clarify i was i definitely was in hindsight thank you for bringing that up i think of myself as making films the wrong way and that's sort of just like a sneer at the way that films are done in the industry. Mm. And uh, and you get a taste of that. If you go to film school, you get a taste of it. But you can easily get, um, you know, a, a director's attachment or like a, a, a role as an assistant assistant camera or something on a film mm. set. 
and uh, a big budget one, the one, one that actually has money behind it. Yeah. And um, and so that's what I mean by the proper way, because yes. in the industry, that's the proper way. The, the uh, standard the, way. The standard way. The standard way. <laughs> yeah. The and conventional yeah. way. But yeah. yeah I, I even like, better. The I conventional like, way. <laughs> <laughs> but I like thinking that all these people, including us, all of the no budget, low budget mm. um, movie makers and that, are all doing it the wrong way because it feels fun to rebel against the system um yeah uh, oh and just like you say like i feel when i'm a viewer when i watch things i'm like i i don't think i can tell really whether it's one of these more conventional ones or not it's i i can't it's yeah difficult to tell the um what exactly has gone into a lot of these things made this way yeah yeah that's fair i think i think a lot of it comes down to just the ability to craft a story and if you've got the right everyone on a big budget film set has the right tools but mm. if you don't have the right um vision behind the tools yeah you're not gonna make something and it's all a magic exactly. trick. and that's yeah. actually again our lead into part three where we're going to talk about that creative Ooh. and technical you guys are you guys are on fire today uh, it was uh, awesome ah <laughs> It's so dark. Yeah, it's the magic of editing. <laughs> I like it. This is this is good. Um, so yeah, you you guys have been saying about your your small crew, and that's you 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 like to have that light footprint so you can really go fast at it. But how small is a small crew? Are you doing? Is it a, a camera person and, and a sound person and that's it? Or is, what about things like makeup and, and those sorts of things? You mentioned script supervisor before and how that was a, a luxury that you couldn't quite get to. But what else falls into the luxury category? So often it actually is just cameraman, sound person. Uh, we've done that a fair bit. Um, uh, sometimes not even sound person. Remember curriculum? I was acting, you were on camera, that's it. And that was the whole crew. Um, and then um, we will often there's, we'll have three or four though. We'll add in, um, you know, another helper. Um, I don't know if we give them a specific role, but um, some people like Max yeah. just come on and help. Uh, with their hands at anything that yeah. comes up. Yeah, often mostly a camera assistant of some yeah. sort. Um, in terms of makeup and things, yeah, certainly not. Uh, we've had makeup only a couple of times. And we've been very lucky to have And we've been very lucky. <laughs> yeah. And a couple of those times, even though we had no money, we did pay them a little bit because that really does feel like um, a role with expertise where you kind of need to give something back if they're not to mention they're using consumables exactly the yeah. consumables are what make me feel the most guilty about asking someone to because i've got no idea how much they cost right and so i'm like oh i really don't want you to go out of pocket but i don't know should i pay you what should i yeah anyway that's a tough one for me yeah. so i've always tried to to weigh up who needs to be on set and who will i just feel guilty for having on set um you know, wasting their time. And a lot of the time we actually have actors turned into crew members mm. when we need a script supervisor. We had a, we have a few really long scenes occasionally and mm-hmm. um, big chunks of dialogue split up into paragraphs and we need someone who's usually just another actor 
you know, checking that they're saying the right lines at the right time. That's right. A prompter is actually probably one of our most regular crew members uh, yeah. because we're doing it so fast. The actors don't have time to learn yeah. all their lines. Yeah. Yep. Sure, yeah. And yeah. so you issue them with a stick so they can prompt the actor. Is that, is that what you mean, prompting? You just use Not the tripod The tripod link? Oh, okay. <laughs> that's another thing. We usually don't use tripods either. Oh, that's what? I don't usually use tripods either. Yeah, we actually use tripods down. in all the wrong, uh, in all the no, uh, non-conventional ways. <laughs> the non-conventional <laughs> ways, nice. So I use tripods every now and again, mm-hmm. but oftentimes I just love to hold the camera and <laughs> feel like that kinetic oh, Get a room. <laughs> yeah. And um, and we've actually used tripods folded up as the boom pole in the past before. Yeah, that's true actually, Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't have a proper boom pole for a while, Pro- a conventional boom pole for a while. And we are... Uh... No, I think you could say proper for equipment. It's the methodology that's not so proper. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we use some things like a tripod, which is very heavy, but, uh, you know, I think it gave me some more muscle, so I was ready. Yeah, and you know Tom, like, he, he needs the muscle building exercises when he can get them, so... I mean, that's accurate. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and also the cameras get very heavy when you build them up. Um, and so they're a bit of a workout for me. As well. Yeah, totally. Actually, uh, doing sound with a tripod, that's fine really compared to the back-breaking stuff you do with a yeah, camera. I reckon I need to see a chiro or a physio because there are sometimes after shoots when I'll feel this like, not a jolting pain, but this ache that just goes right from my hamstring all the way up to my back. Oh, wow. Do you get... Are people going to write feedback back in? I wonder if a doctor's listening, if they could... And they uh, go, well, they could... Nat, just put it on a tripod. <laughs> stop, stop going in, Nat. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's natkellyfilm.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and, and a nice little, nice little plug there for you as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's it. Don't plug his website. Yeah. No, well, well I've just realised we haven't. So oh. Nat, Nat's very upfront with slotting his website in at any given yeah, opportunity. That's, that's pretty selfish. So Nat, this is an opportunity. Go, go ahead. Oh, hi, everyone. I'm the deep voice, Thomas Medina. Um, <laughs> Oh, well, I, I actually, similar to that, we both maintain kind of our, our own YouTube channels for a lot of our stuff. And uh, you can find mine just under my name. And um, yeah, that's... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's all for me, basically. That's good. And we'll put it in the show notes. As well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, it's so fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yes. And the show notes, of course, will be available from my website. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Which, which is untolddigitalmedia.com.au. Great. Forward slash Thomas Medina. No, it's forward slash most awesome podcast about NT filmmakers ever. Oh, well, that's well, a long URL. <laughs> um, well, well, at least that's what people are telling. So this is, this is good. Um, so now that we've talked about the cast and the crew side of things, how did you go about your uh, securing your locations for the feature film? Okay. Securing is the wrong word. Securing is a strong word. <laughs> Arriving um, at, deciding yeah. upon. Um, so we we certainly went to them. Did we go to them before we filmed there? Often, yes. Yeah. Often we'd check them out first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. um, uh, we we work nice and quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In and out. Light footprint. Light footprint. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. low footprints. Yeah. Um, did. Uh, oh, so there were some indoor locations on the feature film that we had to get permission for. Certainly, um, DCA, um, Dunn Community Arts, um, your home, my home. Um, yeah, we used a lot of people's homes. Joseph's home. Joseph's home. Great. Um, 
Yeah, everybody's house gets features. Mm. Uh, you see a lot of that on film, right? Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah a lot yeah, of the stuff right. that they do is, yeah, until they um, got like, heaps of money behind them and actually got their own premises, a lot of the stuff was being filmed that you saw on the episodes in their house. Right. And they actually talked about that. Uh, it came up in a Q&A. Right. Mm, it was like, oh, yeah, we just use the house. He uses his family. Yeah. yeah, and which is yeah, that's what you guys right. have been saying as well. We shoot so much at our own houses and have over the years that I feel. Do you agree that it, it gets harder to imagine new stories at my own house? And I feel yeah. like I'm like, oh, is there somewhere else that I can film it? Because yeah. um, but there are sometimes when I'm in my house, just living in my house, and I go, oh, I feel like Brian stood here and was having a party one night. Oh, you know, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> Joseph. Uh, was eating breakfast at this table once. Does it make you feel less lonely? Yeah. 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 yeah you do, do you friends. find yourself scripting to match the locations you know you've got access to? Yes, definitely. So every time that I write exterior field in one of my scripts, Nat knows where that is because um, there's one field <laughs> that we always film it. Um, it just keeps getting more renovated by the day. That's right. We won't be able to film there soon because no. that's over near the beach and uh, they keep building it up. So, yeah. It used to just be a dirt track that led seamlessly onto this magnificent field. Yeah. It would get overgrown in the wet season and burnt in the dry season, you know, controlled fire. Mm. And uh, now that's a sealed road and mm-hmm. they've got um, little placards along the way what do you call them those like things that stop you from driving on the grass oh yeah so <laughs> we really have to pick our shots a bit wiser now yeah so look you are supposed to you can easily get permission from parks and tea or whatever and and that's a good thing to do we're not against that no, 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 no. Um, I'm, all for it. I, I'm so for it i actually did it once oh good on you. yeah thank yeah. you uh they didn't respond that so I, <laughs> is this that's all but um, I've certainly tried, and it's a good thing. And we've met some rangers out there who have been like, actually, you need to get permission to film out here. And um, we've been like, yeah, actually, we do. And that's, thank you for telling us. But they've been very nice about it. And yeah. uh, so. Especially with the small footprint. I think the bigger the footprint, the moment we have. That's right. Yeah. There was one time we were shooting with a fold up table and chairs, and yeah. that just sort of looked like a bigger deal than it was. We were just having like an impromptu dinner. No. Uh, or a, a lunch at a, a cafe in the middle of the field. Yep. And, um, <laughs> and so that looked a bit more set up than usual. Right. If it's a full small footprint and it's just me with a camera and no stand, no tripod, mm. Tom with a boom pole and there's nothing touching the ground, we're all running together. Um, I think a lot of people are very understanding. And I think that's something unique about Darwin too is that um, if people see you, they either wind down their window and go, <laughs> or they come over and say, can I just tell my story for a little Oh, bit? we've met some interesting characters. Um, but usually, yeah. just nice people going, oh, what's this for? Mm. And then they just keep going on for their walk or, you know, riding their bike or whatever they do. Mm. That's right. And, uh, yeah. I think it's just a really nice laid back attitude because people can see that what we're doing is not you know, a commercial endeavor. It's a very arty, self-driven, mm. and it's all about. Yeah. Um, we love you shooting in the places we we live in, and mm. we love to visit. So, yeah. um, you know, and I think you've quite rightly said a couple of times during the interview, guys, that what we're doing is art. Yeah. And whilst you know, not everyone may see filmmaking as art. I think that's the perspective that a lot of us probably do have, whether we, whether that's a conscious thought or. A, or maybe a subconscious thought, but we're, yeah, we are producing a, a, an artwork of some description, you know, even if it's a, a documentary or if it's a drama or if it's a, 
a mockumentary or whatever the piece happens to be. It's still an artistic expression. Yeah. Then, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, you're always kind of trying to say something. Mm. You're, you've always kind of got a message you're trying to put into each film. Yeah. Tom's film usually has like 10 messages fully encrypted, like like the FBI, you can't get into those messages. I mean, yeah, look, you don't want <laughs> no, to... No, there's nothing wrong with subtle messages. Art, art is all about interpretation. But I, again, I think both of you mentioned this a little bit earlier about when we were talking about the standardised, big budget way of doing it. Yeah. You know, producing a Hollywood blockbuster is not about creating an artistic piece as much as it is about making sure that you recoup at least your budget, if not more, so that you can, they can make more blockbusters, not so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to bag on blockbusters. I, no, I expect no, to be on them next week. I'm, so. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. I'm <laughs> saying it's a different approach. It is. It yeah. certainly is. Yeah, it's a whole different kind of uh, ball game. And uh, uh, one that I know, I think you share kind of reservations about. If we were even offered like doing a much bigger thing, yeah. there's actually money and stuff. You can do whatever. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't know what I would. I don't think. But yeah, I'd love to do that. I think oh, it's the same. okay. That's not where I was going. That's not where you're going? I was going more kind of, you know, you've expressed concerns about changing the way that you make things, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure, yeah. Like, do you think it would? Would you be... Uh, I would hope that the craft skills are transferable. And even though the type of art yeah. product you're making is different, um, if someone offered it to me... Um, I'd give anything a go. Almost it's, anything. It's about that artistic integrity. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Clearly you do or you wouldn't be making short films and local features. What are the things you've said in all of these episodes? It has been true, Nat. Any of it? Um, it's all been true. Yeah, right. Just try and... Okay, what were you about to say? Is this... Oh, it's art. It's open for... Ah, oh, here we go. <laughs> that's, a, that's as much as a get-out-of-jail card as you get <laughs> Yeah. don't know. I think, I think even the big blockbuster films, you've got all these people working on them and they're making a living, right? That's a job job thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there are still people doing semi-creative things and <laughs> some people really who believe what they're doing is art. So I think that um, that, that in itself is definitely art to some mm. people. Um, and if I was offered to help out with one of those projects, um, obviously it'd be a case-by-case -case basis as is any project we do. But um, no reason I'd say no, be just because it was a big film that might not be as creatively challenging as something else we've done in the past. Great. I came in harshly before, but I completely agree. That was part two of an extended interview with Nathaniel Kelly and Thomas Medina about their first feature film and their experiences with filmmaking in the NT. Join us again in episode five of the NT Filmmakers podcast for the conclusion to this interview. This Wednesday, the 1st of May 2019, the Deck Chair Cinema will host a special screening of the film 2040, presented by director Damon Gamow. Award-winning director Damon Gamow embarks on a journey to explore what the future could look like by the year 2040 if we simply embrace the best solutions already available to us to improve our planet and shifted them rapidly into the mainstream. 
Structured as a visual letter to his four-year-old daughter, Damon blends traditional documentary with dramatised sequences and high-end visual effects to create a vision board of how these solutions could regenerate the world for future generations. The Deck Chair Cinema opens at 6pm with the screening starting at 7.30pm. Pre-purchase tickets by visiting www.deckchaircinema.com Swamp Industries, who provide exceptional quality audio equipment and cables, are offering a 10% discount on their non-sale items for NT Filmmakers podcast listeners. The offer begins on the 1st of April and expires on the 30th of April 2019. To take advantage of this offer, enter the coupon code NTFILM10, that's capital N, capital T, capital F, I-L-M, 10, at checkout. Their awesome audio gear can be found at www.swamp.net.au. The NT Filmmakers Podcast is proudly supported by The Hive, a creative co-working space for Darwin film and creative industry professionals to create, collaborate, focus and network with other filmmakers. The Hive is centrally located at One Pavonia Place, Nightcliff. For bookings and more information, email screenhub at undergrowthproductions.com. Thanks for joining us in this episode of the NT Filmmakers Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information and most informative interviews about all things filmmaking in the Northern Territory. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.untoldigitalmedia.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an Untold Digital Media production, copyright 2019.